Have you been looking for a mentor or someone with knowledge to assist you with your spiritual growth and development? Well, look no farther. We have an online mystery school. That's right, a mystery school to assist you with your personal spiritual growth and development. You can work at your leisure at home. You have access to the Cosmic Classroom, weekly lectures, lesson plans, and supplemental literature. Check it out today, www.thegoldenrace.org, and click on the link that says Mystery School. Also, make sure that you get the Golden Race mobile app, as it will give you more access to the Mystery School, the Cosmic Classroom, and you can enroll through the application. Check it out today. today with a very special guest. His name is Sadhu Da and I want him to just talk a little bit about who he is and where his background comes from because I think he has a very interesting story to tell us. Hello, thank you for having me. You know, I studied under Master Pongsak and Master Thanaful Pakti who are venerable bhikkhus, meaning Thai monks, of the Theravada lineage of Thai Buddhism. And I also studied with uh, Tibetan Rinpoches, basically very venerable and esteemed lamas Mm -hmm. or um, monks of uh, the Tibetan Bonpo practices, uh, if anybody's familiar with like the Dalai Lama, so like Tibetan Buddhism. Mm -hmm. What are prey and how do you work with them? Ah, prey. So Mm P-R-A-I, prey are spirits that inhabit a statue that is usually consecrated and made from special ingredients and materials that are acquired by an ajarn which is like an occult practitioner that's kind of at the level of understanding and as like a professor so they're very well versed in their field or like a lersi or uisi which is a mystic or aesthetic sage that usually comes from like the Khmer forest regions or certain bhikkhus and uh, monks. What a prey statue is, it's more of like a battery and a spiritual contract is kind of the simple way of putting it. And what you'll have is certain ingredients like the soils from seven different cemeteries, um, seven different water sites, seven plantations, seven fields, seven markets, etc. And all of these different compositions kind of have energies that stack on top of each other. And then you'll combine these with clay and then you'll, you know, make them into little figurines. And then you might use gold leaf and soak them in various types of oil. Like, for example, like Naman Pre oil would literally be the melted chin fat of a human corpse. Um, And a lot of these, you know, practices are are so bizarre to the Western mind because, you know, it resembles like voodoo and necromancy. And these are things that are taboo. And we kind of see them, you know, as bad things. But a lot of these are really old animistic practices, very similar to how um, the Native American shamans used to do things back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are what we would call the old ways, old magic. Um, mm-hmm. This is what 
was practiced before anybody started waving flags around, before major civilizations and cultures started forming complex identities and uh, social structures in the modern day sense. Way before that, we, we still had magic. We still had practices that were foundational for the tribe's spiritual well-being and way of living. And these animistic practices, they blended in the 14th century with in Thai culture. The fifth king had a way of doing things where, you know, he would just kind of roll it out and be like, this is what we're going to do, and this is how it's going to be done, much as most kings usually do in a monarchy. Well, he met resistance of a lot of people that were more in the rural regions of Thailand that didn't necessarily want to give up something that they've been practicing for generations, which was like known as nat worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and nat worship, N-A-T, it was like the worship of like spirits and they would uh, offer them coconuts and things of that nature and um, there wasn't necessarily deities or anything in particular that they would worship it could have been someone that was pretty famous in their tribe or in their region decades ago it could have been a family member this is more like nature spirits and deceased loved ones that they would give offering and they would subjugate prayers to and There wasn't necessarily a right or wrong way of doing it, Mm -hmm. but there were some deep-rooted traditions, and depending upon the village that you would interact with, would depend upon different infrastructure and subsets of rules and how they would practice their nat worship, as it was called. And so this ended up getting blended in with Buddhism as Thai Theravada Buddhism started to kind of really take root in the 14th century. And then what separates it from like Mahayana, Vajrayana, Bampo, Sotozen, these other types of Buddhism that we hear about is the animistic qualities that weren't lost and that were kind of integrated with it. And so we get the practice of calamancy and amulets that come from really old, uh, you know, almost shamanic uh, roots where they would use different witcha as it's called which were these very specific magical processes, uh, strong-suited science in doing these things, such as making the prey statues. Mm. What are some of the different Thai amulets that you make? So one of them that I make is uh, called a Hun Peon. And I was taught how to make the Hun Peon. And anybody that is more of like a, a Western traditional occultist or practices chaos magic or anything from like Crowlinian, you know, lineage and, you know, kind of like this modern understanding of occultism from the Western lens. They would know it as like, you know, a servitor or an egregore, if you will. So a constructed spiritual robot, if you will, with specific instructions and ways of operating that is composed and made out of your own living energy. Now, the processes of making um, a Hun Peon require specific katha, so mantras or chants that kind of are like, you know, rules and creating the computer programming, if you will, that the spiritual robot or guardian that you're creating is going to operate by and feed off of. It can be made from, traditionally it was made from like straw or, you know, little clay effigies. And then you could also use like the ashes from um, incense that was used to worship 
various spirits or for ceremonial purposes and etc so you have these consecrated ingredients can vary in different means of, of gathering them you will use that and then you will have the kata to encode and create this spiritual guardian and then whenever the amulet the hun peon breaks it's kind of similar to a witch bottle when it takes a hit um, mm-hmm. that was meant for you and you know it breaks so you know it's doing its job but yeah like that's kind of one of them but then i also make various different so like lok om which are these like clay balls that are more like enhancing energy and you can kind of put them on your bedside table and it kind of produces like a calming effect around your auric body as you sleep and can help prevent you from traveling unconsciously at night. I mean, gosh, there's so many different dozens of types. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the masters that you've learned from? One of the masters that I learned from, Master G.K. Ham, who practices Tao Fei and is part of the Maoshan lineage of Taoism in Malaysia, as well as uh, Dr. Wilson Young, who uh, is more traditionally Maoshan uh, lineage of Taoism, whereas Master G.K. Ham uh, has a strong uh, feng shui background as well as the Maoshan Taoism background. I also trained under a couple of different uh, venerable lamas who, for you know, their own identity's sake, I wouldn't necessarily publicly shout them out because they kind of prefer a uh, life of a hermit. And then those were like the Bonpo lineage teachers. And then I also had uh, Charlita, who was a Wicca high priestess who welcomed me into her coven and taught me um, in some of my formative younger years. And then I also had uh, Master Thanafol, Master Pongsok, various different other teachers who were in the Theravada lineage. There's been just this whole colorful cast of amazing people that I've met. I know now that paranormal activity is on the rise, like everywhere. Can you tell me some details about different paranormal cases that you've worked on? As a matter of fact, just recently worked a case about, I'd say it's about four days ago now, since kind of resolved this one. I have quite a few students. And one of my students had kind of mentioned about a month ago, here and there, about his girlfriend getting a little bit more sick, and he was starting to worry at this point. And then I knew something wasn't right in that moment, but for whatever reason, I guess, I guess got a little bit distracted. Then it came back up like a week ago that uh, she was in the hospital and she was getting a blood transfusion and that they couldn't explain where there was an internal bleed coming from, but there was like a massive internal bleed and there was a, there was a lot of issues and things happening in her body. And, you know, this was pretty scary. And he was looking at the realization of probably having to raise his girlfriend's children and being a young man and kind of being on his own. And it's a very frightening prospect. And he didn't even stop to think that there could have been a paranormal route to this. And rightfully so, there wasn't a lot of external signs. But um, the more he talked about it, I said, you want me to to give my good prayers and energy, like I'm, I'm gonna need to like actually look into this because it's not as simple to me as like, oh, you know, 
send me blessings and prayers. Like always thought that's just the silliest thing. I'm like, tell me exactly where you want me to direct energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, um, I did a meditation with my spirits at this giant altar that has a lot of different spirit statues. And I work with them quite extensively. They were like, this was done to her. And I got this like very, very strong vision that was shared with me a red arrow that was like kind of like five-sided and very sharp and it was piercing a woman underneath the left shoulder blade and it was poison and it was spreading throughout the body and it was like necrotic and it was shutting down organs Hmm. and it happened in like a forest setting and there was a fae type of spirit that was offended and it was devastated and was crying and its home was destroyed and this was basically self-defense and so i told him this and i explained this to him and he said that makes sense because we went camping about a couple months ago and then shortly after was when she started to have issues and i was like okay tell me tell me a little bit more i'm kind of intrigued by this and he said that that night when they were camping and they had set up she had these intense nightmares and she felt really uncomfortable and it was like a painful mental experience and a lot of trauma was triggered when she was sleeping and she couldn't explain why and then as the days rolled by after the camping trip she experienced this episode where left side of her body imagine that left side of the body got um, paralyzed and in her chest and under in her side of her rib cage like under the left shoulder blade she felt this intense pain and pressure that she couldn't explain and it lasted for like a day and then it went away and then she started to get sick and she had these unexplained sicknesses that would come and go but they would get more intense and severe each time that they came to the point where she ended up hospitalized and so i found it very interesting not being told anything about that specifically and yet there's a correlation there Mm -hmm. um i was seeing this nature scene i was seeing this grievous like response and i've had like experiences like this before where to ask people i'm like you know the fae are not something to be trifled with like these are very powerful beings and they'll kill you in a heartbeat not really think too much about it and so you know she's doing better now it was really interesting because right after i did the ritual and did energy healing through that ritual for her she ended up stabilizing in the hospital and was able to leave the next day and she has started to progress and get better tremendously each day and then i gave them an outline very specific ritual to go back to the forest and to perform and they're going to do it under my supervision when they do it sometimes you got to write the wrong that you unintentionally made and then i had a, a very interesting incubus spirit a case that i worked for a client recently a spirit that was sexually assaulting one of my clients and referred to it as the invisible and that was an interesting one because i kind of sent my spirits after it and they yanked it away it's been a a fun little back and forth that we've been going through yeah paranormal events are just skyrocketing right now and there is there's so much going on like how you were saying that sometimes you commit crimes against nature and you don't realize it and then the next thing you know all this stuff is happening and people can't figure out what's going on and i suspect that's what's happening now on the planet 
there's a lot of things that were set in motion and things that's happened over time and it's just climaxing. So anyone listening to us, most definitely you want to get in contact with Sadhu Da because he can help you using his magical practices and to be able to help you with anything that's happening that's paranormal because these spirits, like you said, they're not playing with people. They don't care how old or young or what race you are. They don't care. And it, it's getting really bad. Now, one other thing I did want to ask you is how do you use your chi? So that's actually one of the first things that I teach my students when I take on students in the beginning is I kind of, I demystify some things because I feel like we get distracted by these fantasies of the mind and where we could be and the power that we could gain. And Hollywood doesn't really help much. A lot of old stories that we read as we're studying and learning these things might kind of only add to the confusion. So knowing that chi is energy and it's something that we can work with, it's also really hard to explain and experience. And I think that chi is something that you need to experience. So I will show people how to cultivate and feel their chi after I show them how chi feels. Mm -hmm. And then once they feel that it's tangible, that it's real, that they can actually use it, then I show them how to open their Lao Gung points to start with and their Nei Xuan points. So the, the points in the middle of your hands and in the middle of your feet, at the bottom of your feet. And when we open these, these are these uh, spiritual centers of energy from our meridian lines, that these, these energy pathways. Some people will be familiar with the Vedic terms of chakras and nadi points. So mm -hmm. the Taoist terminology is we, we have the dantines, the three dantines, and we have the network of the meridians. These are basically two different explanations, whether you're talking about meridians and dantines or chakras and nadi points. We're talking about an energetic anatomy, the etheric anatomy, if you will, the energetic substructure of network of veins and bones and flesh, and but, but on a spiritual level. Mm -hmm. And so we're using it all the time, or it's being used against us, we may not realize it. But when we become aware of it, that's the first key is becoming aware, then you can start to use it. When you're aware, then you can kind of do something only when you notice it. So then once we're able to do something, it's building those muscles. Uh, so think of like atrophied muscles, right? So we will build them, we'll strengthen them up, and then we're kind of lifting heavier weights. And then the next thing you know, you, you're able to use your chi fingers and you're able to leach out into the environment. You're able to pour your toxic energy into plants, which will transmute it and will eat that, kind of like how we get oxygen and carbon dioxide, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's this healthy exchange with the environment where we can send this toxic and this negative energy out of us, have it transmuted by the earth and sent back out as this good energy that then helps the environment, um, kind of like fertilizer, really. And then we can also take healing energy and we can transmute energy from the iron core of the earth itself. And then you get into deeper levels, like when I take my advanced students and I start teaching them how to work with the individual elements and minerals in their blood and in their body. And I teach like uh, marrow washing, qigong, nehong, and how to actually cleanse the marrows in your bones. 
and iron shirt qigong and strengthening the fascia and strengthening the cell memory if you will in your body it's really interesting because energy can be used and worked with in so many different facets and ways to achieve all kinds of incredible things and it really makes you wonder and marvel at a certain point of how truly incredible the limitless potential of the human body and experience is and how much in society on a daily basis we just take that for granted or we just go into a sleep-like state and wander through our day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand even how the regular body is created. So going into the energetic bodies, they're lost because they're not taught any of these things in school. Everything is surface teaching. So it's all based on the physical body and the five senses. So when you're getting into the energies, it is, it can be very complex. And that's wonderful. You said that you have students. Do you have a school or? I have like a school of various different students. Some just want to learn how to be energy healers. Some want to learn how to be psychic policemen, battle mages, if you will, and learn how to combat the, the spiritual and paranormal maladies of society. And others just simply want to take a scholarly approach and learn and some want to, you know, make beautiful Thai amulets and want to just learn how to do spells and things of that nature. And so I get people that come to me for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. and whatever that is that unfolds for them on their spiritual path, I simply help them align with that, reach that and prosper and grow in that area. And then ideally they reach a point where they don't need me anymore in the sense that they're where they need to be and they're continuing down their own path. I also offer healing services for individuals, whether it be through the modality of hypnosis or soul retrieval, pranic energy healing. I don't really generally just use Reiki. I will actually use a couple of different methods of energy healing Mm -hmm. because Reiki kind of does its own thing. It's its own intelligent current of energy. And I kind of like to be more hands-on and conscious with what I'm specifically doing with my energy when I energy heal. I also do various simhakriya pranayams, like breathing practices and giving people like techniques and things that they can use as like sadness, daily spiritual practices for strengthening those spiritual muscles and growing the ability to cultivate chi. I have a blog that I maintain where I give a lot of free stuff out. I do a lot of podcasts like this where I educate, I put myself out there and I kind of try to be like a resource in the community that people can come to and learn from and take what they need and share and give to others that's wonderful what i'll do is i'll put a link to your you said you have a blog i have a blog on my website which is the the sadhuda.com and it has all my resources the ways to contact me and everything that i offer on there all right well i'll put a link to your website in the description box below this has been wonderful i'm not really familiar with this type of cultural magic I know that today, the only thing that I really kind of knew about the Buddha was just the fact of the Buddhas today, not the ones from the ancient times. And I know like every culture has changed dramatically since colonization. So 
This is wonderful information, and I'm sure that everyone who's listening is intrigued by the services that you're offering, so that's great. Oh, one more question. Your school, is it virtual? Like, can anybody worldwide participate, or do you have to be in your area? Oh, it's definitely virtual. I actually have a student that lives in Japan. Yes, I could definitely do classes and teach people all over the world. You don't just have to come see me in person. Okay, sounds great. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this interview and I thank you for coming and being a guest here today. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been an enjoyable experience and I, I really love the atmosphere that you kind of give off. Sometimes it's hard to describe um, energies and experiences, but I feel like you kind of bring out the scholarly aspect of my energy. And <laughs> every podcast that I do, there's... Um, different aspects of my personality or my energy that kind of come out and I just felt a very specific way with you and, and I enjoyed that. Oh, wonderful. Calling all metaphysicians. Feel like you have a message that you want to send to the Cosmic Family? Be a part of one of our podcasts, joined by myself and... I said. So yes, most definitely. If you would like to appear as a guest on one of our podcasts, either Real Talk or a COVID-19 Ground Zero podcast, visit the website, www.thegoldenrace.org, and fill out the interest form. We will allow guests as well as advertisers to be posted in one of our upcoming podcasts. Check it out today. Radio station in the world. In the world. Is right here. Right now. The Golden Race. Conscious radio for the conscious community.